Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Interesting that the word ecclesia is in this word Ecclesiastes. Ecclesia. What would that mean? The church. Amen. And that's a Greek word. In a Hebrew word, Ecclesiastes, it really means the assembly. So in the last uh, chapter, it talks about the master of assemblies. That's the preacher who assembles the congregation and preaches a message. And uh, that's, that's what we do every time we have church. So that's what this means. It's, it's, a, it's a discourse from a preacher who lost his way and found his way. Actually, if you study through it, it seems like he lost his way many times, but he came to reality. So we're in Exodus. Uh, I want to keep saying Exodus. I'm sorry for that. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We'll read verses 1 through 7, and I'll ask you to stand. Who is this a wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, and that in regard of the oath of God. Be not hasty to go out of his sight. Stand not in an evil thing, for he doeth whatsoever pleaseth him. Where the word of a king is, there is power. And who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. Because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be? So the title tonight is, Why Men Are Miserable. Why Men Are Miserable. Why are people so miserable? And I believe they're more miserable than ever before. But we always look at why the, the, uh, the negative, but there's always a corresponding positive to this and why men can be happy and ought to be fulfilled. So we're going to look at this tonight and let's pray. Father, I ask that thou help us to see this. And the thoughts that I have, may they bring thoughts into all of our hearts on how this applies to us and what we go through in life and help us to apply biblical teaching and wisdom to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. So life is all about timing. Timing. Life and time go together. People come to church. You know, everyone here came. We are under time. We are on a different cycle of life, though. And so though we all go through similar things, uh, similar situations and experiences. We're all in a different cycle on that cycle. Uh, we're all in a, second, a different spot on that cycle. So we come with different needs. You know, some people just got a great victory. Some people are praying for a victory. Some people are on the bottom hoping it's possible that they might get a victory. But some people just got theirs. Now, it's cyclical, you know, and so each soul comes with a unique position, state we're in, uh, part of that cycle. And we all, so that means we all have different needs. And I'm thinking, you know, when you come to church, 
you ought to see each soul clearly because we're all, we're not all going through the same problem right now. We're all going through individual problems that many of us have gone through or will go through in the future. And so we look at life, not from our viewpoint, but from all men's. It's like the man, he said, I see all men clearly now. I don't just see a, a forest of trees or a crowd of people. I see all men individually, all men clearly, all men uniquely with needs, hopes, dreams, desires clearly. You know, but think about this. One thing we all have in common is we're a slave to time. Every one of us are. You know, time dictates your life. It really does. It stops for none. It continues even after you're gone. You know, I had an uncle pass away two days ago. Time kept going. The world didn't end when Uncle Neil Trammell <coughs> passed away. Time. Brings good days to you, bad days. You know, you wish you could have all good days. It brings sun, it brings gloom. It brings darkness, and it brings light. So time and judgment rules every man. And because it rules every man, it says in verse 6, and for that, men are miserable. Okay? Men are miserable. They're not happy. They don't understand. Because God uses time to both prove us and to make us better, especially His people. I think God uses time and goodness to bring people around to where they'll receive Christ. Once you receive Christ, you get on a new cycle. You are on an upward cycle to become greater for God, and He uses the things in life that happen in, on the time scale to get you there. So let's talk about time today. You know, uh, the clock's ticking. Man, you know, we can't capture those seconds that tick by. We can't hold on to them. You can't save them for later. Now, technically, you can. If you do eternal works, they go, on, they go into eternity for you. You know, saw some really good things done today that went into eternity uh, ahead of us, which is wonderful. But time stops for none of us. It just keeps ticking. Constant, you know, tick, tick. I never liked that sound when it's real quiet and you hear a clock ticking. I never did care for that sound very much. I'm thinking, it says, sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our life. Man, what a miserable statement. What a horrible, miserable, as sands through, yeah, the sands are going through the hourglass and that's our life. You know, those, it's that horrible soap opera where nothing ever gets accomplished and nothing ever gets, they're never fulfilled and it's just, nothing ever happens. That's a horrible life. You know, it's most people's life though. The young and the restless turn into the old and the miserable grumps. Yeah, it's true. What a sad statement. So sad that men are just living and waiting for that time to run out. The last Draw a speck of sand to go through the hourglass saying it's up you know so life think about this because this is this is basically what i'm trying to say here life doesn't go like they think it should life didn't go as they hoped it would they're miserable for it they're very unhappy and it says the misery of men are is great it's a great misery time makes men miserable. 
Why? He knows not what shall be. It says there, he, one of the reasons they're so miserable, they can't predict the future. They can't grab hold of the future necessarily. You can't boast yourself of tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't make things happen next week. You can't make things happen next year. You hope that your plans work out, but what if they don't? Then you're very miserable. And the, and the misery of men is great, it says. You know, man can't even figure out how he got where he is. Much less where he's going. Because he knows not time and judgment, his misery is great. His purposes are wrong. He cannot judge life based on the will of God. Therefore, he's miserable. He, see, the one element they're missing, the will of God. They live under the sun. They live according to this world. They live according to the clock. Therefore, they're very, very miserable. You know, often they'll get so bad that they'll consider death as a good alternative to life. They'll, they'll look at death as a door out. I can get out of my misery by going through the gate of death. The problem is they don't know what's waiting for them on the other side. See, they're miserable. They can't predict what's going to happen to me when I die. And it's terrible. So they think, they wonder why, okay? Why do I keep waking up to another day when I have no hope, really, for tomorrow? And isn't this what Job meant when in Job chapter 3, verse 20, he says, Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery? Why does God keep bringing the sun up on miserable people that are very unhappy? Well, life to the bitter soul, it says. Life dealt them a bad hand. Life didn't work out as they hoped it would. They're in a very bad way. What could be their own fault? Could be someone else's fault. It could be trouble hit them that they had nothing to do with and life is really hard for them and they're very, very miserable. Basically, let's look at chapter 8, verse 6 again. It says, because to every purpose there is time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him. For he knoweth not that which shall be. There's the future. He doesn't know. For who can tell him when it shall be? So men are miserable and the misery is very great. You know, that's where you reach the point of despair. When your misery is great because you cannot see the future and there's uncertainty there. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So what do they do? They go to a soothsayer. They go to, a, they look in a crystal ball. They go to Madam, whatever her name is, Madam Many Lies. They go to a prophet to try to prophesy their future. They get someone to look at their palm and read their palm. I read anybody's palm if you want me to. I won't charge you much either. I'll just say, hey, you know what? You're going to die. You better fear God and get this right quick. There's your future right there. I'm a fortune teller. Uncertainty. You know, you say hindsight's better than foresight, but some people can't even see hindsight very well. They don't learn from their mistakes. What they say sanity is, keep trying to, you, you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome. That's misery of men are great upon the earth. 
And what does the Bible say here in verse 8? The only thing certain about death is that it's certain. You don't know when you're going to die. You have no control when you die. This is a great message, isn't it? Very, very depressing. Hey, we're locked into time here and it ends with death. We know this to be true. What's the solution to this misery? What is the solution? That's what matters. So, what is misery? What is misery? It's to be spoiled. Misery is when you go spoiled. When life goes bad. When you don't know. When you're broken down and you lose all fortitude and hope for the future. That's misery. The misery of man is great. What's the solution though? What's the solution to this misery? Well, again, let's look at the problem. I said it earlier. Man has the wrong purposes. He cannot judge his life based on the will of God. He's not going to do it God's way and in God's time. Therefore, he wonders why he's miserable. God's will is involved in, this is it, God's will is involved in all time and judgment. And I do mean all. God's involved in every little thing that happens to us. Everything. So there's no need to fall into misery when you know, according to Psalm 31, 15, my times are in His hand. My times are in God's hand. So if you look at verse 5 here, it says, Whoso keepeth the commandments shall feel no evil thing. You know, I think about that. I felt a lot of evil in my life. Have y'all? I felt it too. I felt it. But it says if you keep the commandment of God, you won't feel it. Now what does that mean? You won't, it won't come to the point of despair and misery. We all get touched with evil things. But our commitment to God, our commitment to His Word is so strong, you'll feel it. But you won't, it won't be detrimental to your spirit to put you in misery, much less great misery. Life won't bring you to utter misery. So the, the, uh, the solution then is that you discern time and judgment. That's what it says. Discerning of time and judgment. Understanding what has happened and why. And then trust God for tomorrow in the future. You know, you know the Bible says that the, the people who don't live according to this rule, they walk in along. They're in the dark. They stumble. They don't even know what they stumbled over. They don't even stop to look. What made me fall down? Something made me fall down. I remember one time, two men, a friend of mine, a friend and I was really late. It was really dark. We're walking down the street. I was headed for home, but it was really dark. I was a teenager. There was a box in the sidewalk up ahead. He said, I'm going to kick that box. I ran ahead of him and kicked it as hard as I could, and it was a brick. Boy, I knew what I stumbled at because I looked. But see, why did we kick that thing? At least I, I, I realized I'll never do something so stupid as that ever again. Ever. I, I hobbled home. God had mercy. 
Now you say, that's what your problem is, right? I've been wondering what your problem is. Now I figured it out. We know. Now look at chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. We know there's set times for certain things in life. That's the way God made it. Did you hear what I said? There's set times for certain things in life. And if you get them in order, life is beautiful. If you get them out of order, life is not beautiful. Life can be very, very ugly. Now look what it says here, man. This is, this is amazing. Ecclesiastes 3, we read it all the time. To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So there's time for all of this. Time to be born, time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. And a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep. In the time to cast away. I've lost some things lately and, it's, and I've, I've enjoyed the ride on this and it's been beautiful for me because the timing was right. The timing was right. It says that a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. We need to learn that one, don't we? And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time to, of war and a time of peace. This is, and what does it say? There's a season a time and a purpose. Verse 1 says so. There is a season for all of these things, a time and a purpose. These are components of life that are needful and useful in getting you through life to the end where it says there's a time to die. And when it's done at the right time, it can be beautiful. You know, time brings things our way most of these things we have no control over. But it's time. If, if you look at verse 11, it says he made everything beautiful in his time. So think about this. There's a lot of things that come your way that you can't do anything about. They just come. Now, according to Psalm 27.5, there's time of trouble. It's coming. We all have time of trouble. Why? See, some people just don't even know. They don't even consider. Does God have a plan in this trouble? What's God doing in this trouble? Why is this happening to me? There's always something great God's about to do. Psalm 56.3 says, There's a time when I'm afraid. All of us have a time when we're very afraid. That can become a beautiful time if you're in the will of God and seeking His way. And you know there's set times in judgment. Psalm 71.9 says, There's a time of old age. You know, we're all y'all are all headed there with me. And it's a beautiful thing if you lived your life right and you're getting down to the end and old age is there. Psalm 78, 38 says there's times when God shows great mercy. Those are the good times. When God shows, he just, sometimes though, God doesn't show the great mercy. It's his judgment. Psalm 102, 13 says there's times of favor when God shows great favor. And you can see it. God does something. He shines on you. You know you're in His favor. Matthew 13 says, well, it's Matthew 13, 20. There's times of harvest when you're going to reap the harvest. You're going you're to hit it. You're going to bring in the crops. You're going to reap. 
That doesn't happen every day, and it doesn't happen at the beginning. It happens at the end. But we want it to happen at the beginning. Matthew 8.29 says there's a time of reckoning. Boy, this is it. When, this, when, when the record gets set straight, and there's time to pay up and even everything out, it's coming. Luke 19.44 says there's a time of visitation where God's going to visit every one of us. You know, and He does it all the time to me. He makes a visit. Those are special times. Those are scary times. But they're so special. If these times are coming to each and every one of us, and half the time it's on you, you didn't invite it, it came on you. Time. That ought not bring misery. To where you say, I'm just so miserable, I hate life, and I wished I had, like Job said of old, I wished I hadn't have been born. What's the new reason to having another day of this? They can actually be beautiful instead. These times of good and bad, dark and light and woe, all can be good. That's why it says, uh, one of the greatest verses in Ecclesiastes is 3.11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Even the dark moments of life become very, very beautiful. Time and purpose. Hey, it's going to happen at a certain time. And there's a purpose behind it. The what makes men miserable on the earth is time's hitting them. There's no purpose to it. There's no purpose. So their whole reason to live is another buck, make another dollar. And their misery is great on the earth. When you surrender to God's will all times, every time becomes very, very beautiful because it comes at His time and His order. So I'll say it again. The reason men are so miserable they're not surrendered to His rule and His will. There's no real purpose behind it. So they're unhappy. Even when they're happy, we got a bug. And they're unhappy. The Bible says certain people, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful because they know not the future. It's a horrible way to live. You're really sad. You know what? It says the world is in their heart. They're blocked off from purpose of time and judgment because the world is in their heart. Not God's Word and God's will. The world and its way. They have no purpose and no beautiful time. I got to thinking about this. Even something as beautiful as a baby being born, if it's done outside of the will of God and the purpose of God, what a miserable situation that is. From birth to death, all the anguish you go through, all the times meant nothing. Their misery is great in the earth. They wished they had not been born. So obedience to God becomes the key to happiness and purpose. And when you do this, and we all know this, oh man, untold adventures await. If you'll surrender to the will of God, life gets really good and it's amazing. It's amazing. Enjoy the ride. So let me say a few more things here. It says in, in Ecclesi uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says now is faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. We live by faith now. We don't have sight yet. 
Faith is now because faith believes God that He's in control of my future. The evidence is there. I put my trust in His hand. Faith is now. I'm believing. Time will reveal my faith and prove it to be right. And God's will will be proven. I'll patiently wait on God while it takes place. So we find that life is all about timing. All about timing. You can't push it. You can't force it. You can't make it happen. Judgments are based on time. You know, the Bible talks about time, times, half a time, be times, timing. All these words are involved. Now turn over to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. So here's how it works. Here's young Joseph, destined to greatness. God told him he was. Boy, his heart was so right. His heart was pure. He was committed to the will of God. All is going to go well. He had dreams, didn't he? He had dreams of greatness. He had dreams that he was going to rule. He had dreams that he was going to be better than his own brothers. He had all these dreams and aspirations. He got the coat of many colors. But look what it says in Psalm 105, verse 7. It says, He, he sent a man before them, this before Israel, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. Boy, he didn't see that one coming. He didn't see slavery coming my way. What does it say? Whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. What? Psalm 105. Did I say something? Psalm 105, 18 says they, they laid him in irons. He didn't see that one coming. He thought, where's the glory days? Until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. You know, he never lost. You, know, you think about it. He never lost hope because he never lost God. Joseph was all alone. Not one other person he knew believed the God of Israel, the true God. Not one other person he knew. And yet, he hung in there. He didn't lose faith. The misery was never too great on him, even when he got laid in irons in the, in the prison. But the Word of God came. The Word of God tried him. And then in verse 20, the king sent and loosed him even to the rulers of the people. He became a ruler. His dreams came true. The, dead, the death of his dream came. He didn't know the future, but he knew there was a God. And guess what? There was a resurrection that took place. His dreams were revived and his dreams were lived. So the dreams and the promises came. Then the suffering and the loss came next. And then his time came. Until time came. And all was beautiful in God's time. And we study Him even today. You know, if He hadn't have done this, we wouldn't even have this beautiful life of Joseph's and get to look at it and how we can learn from it. He was committed to the purpose and the timing of God. You say, He lost His youthful years. Well, God did it. God was in charge. God had great things done. It says in Acts 7, 17, that when the time of the promise drew nigh, God sent Moses to deliver Israel. It was all about timing. 
You know, they were in bondage as a nation for less than 400 years, but pretty close. That's a long time. That's longer than the United States has even been a country. And God sent a deliverer when the timing was right. Why do you think the uh, Passover was such a big deal in the deliverance from Egypt? They had been slaves for hundreds of years, and God did the delivery. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. And it isn't going to happen until God wills it. So Psalm 31.15 says, My times are in thy hand. Think about this. The word times. Every little bit of times. Segments of time are in God's hand. I commit myself to those times and allow Him to be God. And sometimes they don't, they're not that good. Sometimes they're hard. We never know the future, but God knows the future. So all these happenings, these segments... These increments of time, God works them out until your time comes. And you look back on it and you say, boy, it's a beautiful life after all. It's really, really good. I never lost sight of the truth and the will of God in the, in the right way. I never lost sight. I don't live according to the sands of the hourglass knowing my time is almost up. We don't do that. I'll say it one more time. Why are men so miserable? Well, they have no concept of God's timing and judgment. You know, the things we take for granted, the will of God, God moving on me, God working on me, God purifying me, God purging me, God chastening me, God, we use it a lot, judging me. I think God judges for His people a lot more than He judges His people. But we have all these things, the things we take for total granted, Oh, God's will is really made. They don't even have that. They don't even know what it is. They have no concept of it whatsoever. Therefore, the misery of men is great upon the earth. They are, not, they are walking dead. They know nothing. Yet, they ought to know. And the sad thing is, because they know nothing, they want it, and they want it all, and they want it now, and they're going to do all they can to get it, so the misery of men won't be great upon the earth. You think about that. So let me say the last couple of things, final thoughts. This is help for the Christian. Don't become miserable under an uncertain future. That's what the world does. Things are uncertain. I don't get it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm unhappy about it. I'm very miserable about this. Don't no. God knows the future. I'm committed unto Him. Don't become miserable over an uncertain future because you're, you're basically doubting God there. Number two, don't allow evil to hurt you and cause you to stumble. It should never cause... We should never be hurt so bad that we hear all these people say, I was hurt so bad. I quit the church. I quit on God. I'll never go back. That all happened to God, those who are committed. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing. They're not going to stumble and quit. There's not a thing they can do to us to make us stop or quit. But something evil occurring happens in your life, and it brings you to a state of complete misery. Don't allow that. Uh, next, 
you just wait with patience on God. He will make his purposes come to light in his timing, and it will come true. Okay? And then number four, see beauty and how God unfolds the future in, for you in time. We watch time unfold. We see the beauty in it. This is done God's way, not mine. I didn't, I didn't try to force it. God made these things happen. And we watched it unfold like an st amazing story. Right? An epic story. It's beautiful. And as you see that, and as you confess that it's beautiful, enjoy it. Enjoy the way. Enjoy the fact that my times are in His hands. Yeah, good or bad. Enjoy it.